My name is James Vallejo, and my story is filled with broken pieces, bad choices, and ugly truths. But I also have peace in my soul, a God who saved my life, and the beginning of a major comeback, living victorious and glorious. And I believe God puts you in a place you don't belong to prepare you to thrive where you belong. And this is my story. Chapter 8, Trustee Camp. So transitioning from Beto unit, the building, to trustee camp is a different world. It's a different lifestyle, and it's, it's a big event. Uh, in the building, you're limited to everything. You only take one shower. You're in your cell until they open the doors. You have no access to nothing unless they say so. So coming out to the trustee camp, when you just look at it, it's different. There's no walls, there's no fences. It's portable buildings that are separated by walkways. And that right there is, it opens your eyes to freedom because now you, just looking at it, you feel a sense of freedom. There's no more walls that are holding me back. There's no fences holding me back. But how, how long were you, how long is this in? 10, ten and a half years? Yeah. And this is my last six months of being locked up. Um, I spent six months at the trustee camp. And so you have a sense of freedom, a sense of I'm almost there. And uh, so coming here, you, you, you get on the premises, you get on the camp, and you automatically feel different. Everybody else is chill. And everybody is waiting to leave. Everybody's in the process of going home. This is the last step to leave. And this is exactly what's happened to me when they gave me trustee status. I felt like in my spirit, this is it. This, I'm, I'm going home this time. And uh, this is for sure, this is the icing on the cake. Um, so it's a different atmosphere. It's a different feeling here. Everybody's more friendly. Everybody's more open. Um, there's no guys trying to fight you. There's nobody trying to act tough here. Everybody's having a good time. They have softball, wall, uh, handball, uh, horseshoes, rings. Uh, they have a gym. They have everything is here. Everything is, is fun to be in, and it's a good atmosphere to be in. And so they put you in. You're in a dorm, um, and you're in a cubicle. So you're in a cubicle by yourself. You have your own cubicle now, your own living space. And you're not told you can't leave or you can't go anywhere. It's free. You're open. You can walk freely there. And uh, at first, my feeling was I was waiting for someone to tell me what to do. Because I've been in the building so long, my mind was programmed for that. Was I'm waiting for them to let me, to let me out or to close the doors or to tell me when to go eat or to take a shower. And another thing was that the showers were on the dorms. And so you were free to take a shower as, as, long, as much as you wanted. I took three showers a day, so it was a, it was a blessing. So how hard was it trans, like going from complete control over your schedule, over your time? How, how long does it take you to transition where you're freely moving and you're going in and out, you're doing some sports? Your leisure time starts looking a little bit different. When are you comfortable with that? It took a couple of days to actually get comfortable with me 
having my own schedule. I'm no longer being told what to do. It's me coming up with the schedule. Because um, I'm free to do what I want, when I want. I can go work out in the mornings now. I can go take a shower right after. I can go eat first thing when they open the day uh, the chow hall. Um, so it's it's I could be in the day room watching certain shows at certain times and and, and not have to be stuck in the day room. Uh, so it was a it, I got it took me a couple days to get used to the to the schedule setting and the transition from being in the building and, and coming to the camp. So your walk with Christ at this point, you know, you just came out of a leadership role. God has done a lot of things in your life. What does God look like in your life during these few first weeks, maybe month into trustee camp? How are you praying? How are you thanking him? Talk to us about that. So my, the last six months of me being locked up was more of a, a thankfulness to God because I know this is the end. Um, this is the end of, the, of this chapter in my life of prison. And I'm really thankful. I'm just enjoying him. I'm praising him. I'm not really get worried about anything. I'm not really bringing problems to him. I'm just thankful and just enjoying the presence of God. Um, and it's, it's, it's a different feeling. I was just in awe and in and, and gratitude to him. Now, God has always been teaching you things by the experiences that you go through. While you're in trustee camp, you have a job. Everyone has jobs, right? Talk to us a little bit about the type of jobs that other inmates have and then finish and tell us a little bit about the job that you had. Okay, so everybody is issued a job, as we heard. Um, mine was the hog barn. I worked in the pig farm. Um, and there's different jobs. People are janitors. People work up front. Uh, you got people that work in the building. They clean up. They're they're the wardens' boys and stuff like that. Uh, some even go out of town and work with regional maintenance, and they do uh, travel and and fix units and stuff like that. Uh, fix problem, that fix the unit, the things that are wrong in the units. They fix those things. So uh, you have all types of jobs, and mine though was to work with pigs. And so the pigs are very nasty. The pigs are very dirty. Um, it did not smell good. I did not like the job, to be honest with you, uh, because of the smell, because of the nastiness. But you get used to it. You get used to the smell. You get used to the nastiness. And it's funny because... I think about it in the spiritual sense that sometimes we as believers or we as people get caught up in the nastiness, in the nasty smells, in the, in the mire, in the, in the dirt, in the mud, and that is sin. We get caught up in sin we, and we get comfortable in sin and it might, not, it might be the dirt up under our nails but that's still sin in, under our nails and it might be small and minute to us but it's still there and it still makes us dirty. Because in the beginning, the smell bothered you so much. You were trying to wash it off. It wouldn't even let you eat comfortable, right? Right. And then after a while, you became used to it. And it was present with you the whole six months. Right. And sometimes as Christians, we get so used to, or before we fully commit to this walk, we get so used to the sin that it doesn't even bother us no more. Right. 
And so, like he said, I was this thing. This smell was on me, and people smelled me. They they knew I worked in the in the hog barn, and I smelled myself. It, the smell was stuck in my nose, it was stuck in my nostrils. So that's all I smelled for six months. And for at first, I couldn't even eat. Uh, the food was nasty. It had no taste. It had no flavor. It smelled nasty, and so it was horrible. But I got comfortable and I got used to it and I was able to eat, I was able to move around and the smell didn't bother me anymore. And uh, sometimes, uh, not even sometimes, that's how sin is. Sin can be attached to us and it won't bother us anymore. And we will get hard hearted to it and stone hearted, stone faced and we'll just walk with it. And it'd be, it's something normal. It's something that just happens and that's not true. Uh, God has not designed us to be with sin at all times. He didn't design us to ha to be in sin. So we need to shake that off. We need to come out of that. And even when I was cleaning myself up, I took a shower. It was still on me. And sometimes as believers, that smell is still on you. That smell still resonates with you. And it smells horrible, but you get used to it. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be aware that, hey, we smell like sin. We smell dirty, and we need to get rid of this dirtiness. But the, how you get rid of it is don't go back to the hog barn. It's don't go back to that pig pen. And you have to se separate yourself exactly, from it. You have to separate yourself from what that sin that so easily besets you. Like I said in Hebrews, uh, the sin that weighs you down, that thing that, that hinders you is what you need to separate yourself from. And everybody knows what that is. You know what that is. You need to pinpoint it and separate yourself from it. Because it's a, it's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of cleanness, a matter of holiness, of sanctification. And this is something serious in the life of a believer, in the life of everybody, really. What was your schedule like taking care of these pigs? And what were some of your daily tasks? So our daily tasks in the hog barn were to make sure the pigs are clean, make sure the pigs are fed, and make sure your barn is intact. Anything that's broken, we had to fix. So it took 30 minutes for us to clean the pens and the pigs. It took 30 minutes for us to feed the pigs. And it, the rest of the day, it took for us to clean the, I mean, to fix up the barns. Everything that was broke, broken, we had to fix. Um, and we were there from 5 to 12. 5 in the morning to 12 in the afternoon. And you had a, um, what would you call them, a cellmate or... Um what would you refer to the guys in there as? Oh, uh, we had I had a barn partner. Barn partner. So, so you and him kind of fellowship. Um, talk to us about that fellowship that that y'all had, and maybe something that that stuck out or something you learned from that from that time. Because you were like in the pig barn where it stunk, where it was dirty, like every day, day in day out. This was your assignment until you got out. And y'all would be in there, you know, you would have your Bibles in there and that's where you would read. Talk to us about that. So yeah, uh, we were in the pig barn, in the hog barn, and our, our barn was the furthest away from the main office. And at the very end of our barn, it was a little empty pen and we would uh, we set up little chairs there. We set up a little table, and we had brought out our Bibles because we were allowed to. We brought out our Bibles and other reading material uh, to go out there. Whenever we had free time, we would go out there and read and just fellowship. And uh, his name was Ray. My barn partner's name was Ray, and real good dude, real solid Christian brother. And we fellowshiped 
whenever we could, and that was most of the time. Uh, we always made time to uh, to go out there and to the, the end of the day in fellowship. And um, we built bond, we built a relationship, and we grew in Christ. He was at other units, and they were a little bit tougher than where I was at. And um, and so he had testimonies. He had uh, some the goodness of God. It was showing in his story, and we just shared and we grew together. He was he grew up with uh, in a he didn't grow up in a Christian home, but when he came to Christ, he grew up around Hebrew roots. So his mentors and and such were uh, Hebrew Israelites or that that matter. And so he knew a lot about the Hebrew culture. But he was ultimately a, a Christian. He believed in Jesus Christ. He was a Messianic Jew, and uh, is what he called himself. And we, we, but we, we both believed in Jesus Christ as being Lord and Savior, and that He's everything for us and to us. So, on that we stood, and on that we fellowshiped. And so your time is passing in trustee camp. You know you're on your way out. You start adjusting to some freedoms, right? You start seeing your freedom not too far away. And then all of a sudden, I think this is a weird connection, but you, uh, just like us out here in, in the free world, y'all begin to experience COVID-19 uh, inside of the cell, inside of the jail. Talk to us about uh, how that came about. Talk to us about experiencing some, some of your inmates. Uh, you heard about some of them dying and being sick. And uh, take us down that, that time. Around March or April, I believe it was April, they locked us down and there was no movement whatsoever because of COVID. And we knew what was going on through the news and the newspapers and we had that information at hand. And so, uh, but we started hearing stories of people in the building from, from the trusted camp where we were at, that people were dying in the building from COVID. And I knew a couple of brothers that had died from COVID um, and that, and it was so it became real to us okay this is this is something serious and everybody in the camp kind of separated from each other nobody really walked around everybody stayed in their cubicles and they're in their bunks reading and or listening to the radio all day for for a couple of weeks and uh, so those couple of weeks was a time of just chill just keep to yourself and try to wait this out and they passed out masks and they uh, told us to wash our hands and to stay away from each other and we did that um, until we couldn't take it anymore until we became crazed uh, from staying in our cubicles and staying in our bunks and we started moving around um, and we worked and then the, it started changing for us we started seeing okay in in the camp nobody was affected uh, especially in the dorm where I was at, nobody had COVID, nobody ever had it. And so we were starting to open up, starting to walk around, starting to fellowship with one another, just re uh, interact with one another. And uh, it started looking like a normal day, but we were just stuck inside the dorm. We couldn't leave. And during this time, you were cleaning, uh, bleaching, everything possible. And you told me, you shared that it, it, you could clean so thoroughly and yet it never felt clean 
and that we drew a connection of how God was speaking to you during this time about how sin is present, how sin shows up in, in a believer's life, in a non-believer's life, and yet again, God comes, and I think he's teaching you through this experience of cleaning the dorm room, cleaning where you're at. Talk to us a little bit about that. So they handed us bleach, they handed us cleaning products, and we would clean the cells, we would clean the, or the, the cubicle area and our little living area, and, but yet it still felt dirty. Yet after bleaching and uh, putting uh, all types of cleaning products, it still felt dirty. And God was showing me, hey, you can clean all day, you can put bleach on it all day, but there's still something there that's dirty. And it's because you're trying to clean it on your own. You're trying to put some bleach on what I need to be cleaning, what I need to be taking away. And so uh, he was just giving me a correlation of how sin is. Sin is hard to get rid of. And it's, ne it's always there. It's like a bacteria. And you can put bleach all day, but you'll never kill it. It'll always be a residue of sin there. And the only way that it will be fully taken is with Jesus. And he's the answer. He's the only thing that can fully dominate sin, that can take away sin, and, that we can, and so that we can overcome sin. So if we try to clean it, we're going to be, if we're going to try to clean ourselves, our sin, we'll be cleaning forever. That's right. And we're going to just wear ourselves out, and we will never be done. That's right. I love both of those examples and experience that God gave you. It's amazing. God keeps showing up in James's life, teaching him things that are going to, not only are they useful while he's in prison, but the real test is now that he's out of prison. Now he's a free man. God has given him lessons and experiences, and he has made him for such a time like this. And there's one more chapter to go. And that chapter is the one where he steps out from that prison and he's a free man without necessarily going into it completely talk to us maybe the last week and then we'll cut it off there and then on the next chapter we'll finish it out okay so i find out that i have an fi1 and I, let me go through the levels uh there's fi all the way up to 18 or 19 and there's different stipulations for each one uh, FI1 is the the earliest you can leave is 30 days. FI2 is 60. FI3 is 90. Plus you have to do a program and so forth and so on. And there's uh, restrictions and stipulations for the rest of them. Um, so I'm on the phone with a friend and they tell me I have a FI1. And I'm ecstatic. I'm joyful. 30 days. Yeah, I'm leaving in 30 days. And at first I'm like mind blown because... I can't believe it. Like, I prayed to get an FI1, and this is what's happening. I'm getting an FI1. I'm leaving in 30 days. And I'm realizing that finally I'm leaving prison. And this chapter of my life is about to be over with in 30 days. And so I'm my, mentally I'm preparing myself. I've been preparing myself uh, three years before. Uh, to get out with responsibilities, with bills, with work, with all the family life and all this church life. And so I've been preparing myself, but now it's becoming 
like urgent. Okay, now I'm getting out in 30 days. Now I have, now I have a, a time clock on me. 30 days is it. And so all the little crooks, nicks, and the little uh, loose ends I'm tying up. And it's what I feel like in these last 30 days. And so they tell me June 2nd. You're going to get out June 2nd. And I'm like, yes, June 2nd, here we come. And I see one of my friends leaves uh, the month before on the 28th, and I'm next. And here comes June 1st, and they test us with COVID. They, they give us COVID tests. And I'm like, all right, I don't need the results. I'm leaving the 2nd. It's okay. I'll be good. And on the 2nd, they tell me I'm, I, I'm not leaving that they have to wait for the results to come back and the results will take a week. So I'm like, okay, well, I can wait a week. I can do that, I can do that. And so I wait the week. And before the week is up, they come back, they come in. And there was a guy that had moved in, like, I wanna say two weeks before we got tested. And he's been there walking around, doing life with us. And uh, they come back before the week is up for the COVID tests, and they come and tell him to pack his stuff up that he has COVID. He tested positive for it, and he needs to go back to the building. And I'm like, okay, well, what does this mean? I'm, I tested negative, so that means that I don't have it. He's been living with us for two weeks, walking around with COVID, supposedly. So, and then we took the tests, and mine said negative. So I don't got it. So I can go home and after this, when they officially bring the results back and they handed everybody their results and mine was negative. And so I'm ready to leave because they gave, they gave me another date was the ninth. And the ninth comes and they tell me you can't leave because somebody tested positive for COVID. So now we're on a quarantine for two weeks. And now I'm kind of, okay, I, I want to leave. Are, are these days seem, seeming longer than... Every day seems like a yeah. month. So these are the longest days of my life. <laughs> but these days are super, super long. And I'm, I'm working out for hours on end because I'm trying to waste time. Trying to get my mind off of what's going on. And... Um, and I'm, it's it's funny, but that's what's going on. And uh, and I'm bringing it up in prayer, and I'm like, okay, Lord, hey, I'm ready to go. I mean, something's going on here. What but, what do you think the final lesson before you were leaving that God was trying to show you um, by this time being added by you know something outside of everyone's control, kind of jumping in and disrupting things? That exactly is some things you won't be in control of and you can't control them you just need to let me work need to trust that i got everything under control and that's what he was trying to show me at the very end hey there's going to be some things when you get out and that world that are going to trick you fool you slap you around make you think crazy thoughts but i'm in control i got your back and that's what was being taught that was the last lesson that i was learning and it was for my release and um but they said the ninth. They said no, two week lock quarantine lockdown. So I did the two weeks, and June twenty second was my release date. And June twenty second is when I left. So you leave June twenty second around twelve o'clock, right? That's right. Talk to us about that final night when you and when you go to sleep. 
So I go to sleep June 21st and I laying in my bunk from seven o'clock all the way to 9.30 trying to go to sleep. And finally I go to sleep around almost 10 o'clock. I wake up the next morning at six in the morning, super energized, super ready. And I take a shower, get all my stuff prepared and I'm, I'm ready to go. But since they've told me this twice already, I'm kind of in my mind saying, okay, until I leave those front doors, I will truly believe that I'm leaving and I'm free. And so I had to wait. Uh, so that in my mind, I was waiting to leave those front gates. And until then, I, was, I felt truly free, truly let go from prison. And so I hope you've learned something. I hope that this testimony has drawn you close to God or made you more aware of what God is doing in your life. But we're not done yet. We've got one more chapter to go to see what his exit was like for being in prison for how long? 11 years. 11 years. So we'll see you on the next one.